0: Welcome to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast. I'm Tim Chelsvik, and I'm joined by... Mark Drury and Matt Drury. That's hey guys, right. how are you? I'm
1: good. I'm excited. We, of course, changed one mark for another mark. Uh,
0: this mark has big shoes to fill. It does. <laughs> if
2: you've downgraded
0: Mark. <laughs> We're slopping Mark's. Yeah. So, welcome to everyone that had been listening prior to the 100% Wild podcast. This is a continuation of that show. Just with the Drury Outdoors tag on the front line so welcome to everyone that, that has been listening the show will retain its original format in that we will answer your questions and bat around some really important and critical deer and turkey information Yeah,
1: so that's the important part you know to get this thing up and rolling we got we want you guys to go over to duryoutdoorscom slash podcast and submit questions for us because we're kind of starting from scratch here and going into the fall and mm-hmm. the deer season I'm sure a lot of people might have some questions as to what they need to be doing right now and we'd love to answer them love to start tackling these we want to do one a week so uh, we just want to start building up that um, treasure chest of good (laughs) questions to go off of and get some good guests and go from there
0: Right, right. And so thank you for listening. If you're listening, then you found us somehow. If you want to subscribe to the show, if you're just streaming, make sure you go to DruryOutdoors.com slash podcast. And then from there, you can find us on Stitcher or the video side of it, which is our YouTube channel, DOD TV and the iTunes uh, and Google Play Store.
1: All right. Well, uh, we haven't had Mark Drury on the podcast in a long time. So first of all, you know, we're sitting here mid to late June. What's happening on your farms right now?
2: well, right now things are just growing. The mm-hmm. the plants are growing, the deer are growing, and so often you go into your stand October 1 or September fifteenth, whatever the opener is, or you start looking at your photos and you go, well, the antler growth doesn't look that great this year. He was bigger than that last year, or wow, he really blew. And it really comes down to this time of the year, what type of rainfall we had from sometime in March up through June. If you watch that, that's generally a fairly good indicator as to the health of the herd, the size of the bucks, the size of their antlers, the more nutrient transfer you get out of the ground into that deer's body, the better he's going to grow, the healthier he is, and you know the better antlers he's going to put on. So, we've had a very good growing June, which is generally one of the most important months because that's the growth month. If you look at what they look like in late May versus around the 4th of July, there's a 40-day period there where they put on about 80% of their rack. So, it's very important that you have a wet June. I have a concern in that we had an And a very late spring and a very dry spring. April was very cold. We didn't green up uh, in and around the farms till May, and I worry about that. I'm hoping that the the rainfall that we've had on Mm -hmm. our farms is a counterbalance to that and we end up with a good good antler year if you look at terry's farm he's had an incredibly historically dry june plus a late spring so that's a double whammy you start then worrying about ehd and those types of things so it's amazing what all happens in the spring Mm -hmm. you sit there maybe it's november and you only go out for a week of rifle season and you take for granted what's happening but it's happening
0: right now that's the foundation is being
1: laid foundation well and off camera you were just showing us pictures of your bean fields your corn fields we just posted I think a post on social media about how high your corn is already and talk about that a little bit about just kind of historically where you usually see it at this point in the season where it is this year
2: well there's an old saying knee high by the 4th of July if you want to make sure that your corn is going to make you want to be at least knee high by 4th of July well right now we have fields that are up over Wade's head which he's about 5 foot 10 I think we made the knee high you know our worst Is up to his neck. Uh, so that's because we had about six inches of rain through the first two weeks of June, plus all of those hot temperatures. The two, it was as if you wanted to grow a, a crop or a, 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 in a greenhouse, you'd give it water and then you'd pour the heat to it, and that's what happened, and they blew out. So I'm hoping the same thing is, is happening to the deer's antlers, you know. Yeah,
1: and then conversely, at Dad's place, he was just telling me that he has no beans. <laughs> it's just, it's been horrible.
2: No, if you don't have water, they're not going to grow. Yeah. The deer stay on top of them, and I was trading texts with Forrest yesterday his, his farm manager and even his corn they're pounding it now because the beans aren't there the clover's dried up it's just it's amazing you know I, I've been asked before what's worse flood or drought well in the big scheme of things drought is worse I mean you have yeah. to have water for things to grow
1: yeah he'll be replanting every bit all, uh, almost you know to biologic to biologic yeah
2: you and know. then you, you have to have rain there to yeah. grow the
1: biologic so and getting it in August to, that can be hit or miss too absolutely
2: we're so much drier now than we used to be 10 12 years ago it's not even funny and i think it's just a pattern we're in Mm -hmm. but you know they say that all of the the dry lands out west of us are expanding east and will forever remain that way i've seen reports like that you know so i just wonder how far east they're going to to come because it's a very arid climate out there right now which is why we're seeing the recurring ehd every year we're just not getting the rainfall I'm, i'm you know terry i looked at his annual report i have it in in my app he was off by seven inches uh year to date or season so far i'm off by I'm st- even with the rainfall i caught i was so dry early i'm still off six inches for the year i mean that's that's a lot of rain
1: and that's a dry we really didn't have much moisture in the winter months no we didn't have much obviously in the we spring didn't have months. it last
2: it, Yeah, we've been in a drought in my area for about the last you know, two years in all honesty, because yeah. I found a lot of deer dead of EHD again this spring. Um, so, I mean, we've, we've had EHD outbreaks, you know, starting in, I remember one in 98, and then I don't remember another good one until about 08. Well, from 08 through current day, it's been incredible how many we've had. Yeah. 08, we got hit 12, 13, and then again 17. That's yeah. how many outbreaks we've had since 08. It's tough to combat that.
1: I mean, when you're trying to grow a deer herd, you just, you kind of, you're at Mother Nature's mercy there and you just do what you can do. Yeah. So yeah. you hunt what you got, <laughs> you, you know, try to diversify. That's been your theory. You get, you know, where you can lease up a, a little bit of dirt here. It doesn't have to be big tracks, a you know, hundred acres here, you know, mm-hmm. 120 there. And, and all of a sudden you got different herds to hunt. And if something, because, because that's the other thing, the rain seems hit or miss like you and dad's farms, not that far apart, even like in two hours, farm, yeah. his Missouri, farm, 120 miles. And, yep. and, and it's a tale of two farms. Ditto. Totally. So you know, it could be, it could be 10 miles apart and be a tale of two farms. Absolutely. So.
2: Yeah. So, even my Missouri and Iowa farm are 35 miles apart. Well, I've had a lot more rain in Iowa than I have Missouri. And if you go just south of me yet, like to Adam Anderson, Brandon Jennings, they're screaming for rain. They can't yeah. get it, you know. it's We've had a reasonably wet pocket right there around the Iowa farms.
0: Well, and for guys that hunt properties that don't have a lot of agricultural fields on them that are hunting the timber, yeah, the, the rain impacts mass. Yeah, still makes a huge difference. So it touches everybody. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, so outside of you know, watching watching your crops grow, we're getting to that point where you're going to start putting out your trail cameras. When do you usually hit that?
2: I always put mine out around the 15th to the 20th of July, mm-hmm. uh, and then I'll check them generally in mid-August. But the, the period you don't want to miss is the first two weeks of August. I mean, generally my summer pictures, the lion's share of the best bucks, I'll get the first two weeks of August. There's this period when they kind of stop growing. Mm-hmm and they start moving a little bit more and that generally occurs in in early August, you know, because June and July, they're not moving very far, man. They're bedding, they're standing up, they're feeding, they're not going very far because, I mean, they're going through tremendous... They're burning a lot of calories. They're burning calories and their antlers are developing Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden they kind of quit growing and then the deer start to move around a little bit and that seems to coincide with early August.
0: And that was kind of my follow-up question is that I'm assuming that you're putting cameras on food primarily. Typically,
2: like... uh, my county in Missouri is now in the the non-mineral county because we had a CWD sure. positive yeah. just north of us in Iowa. And um, we can't, can't put mineral out or feed. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, I'm going to be handcuffed a little bit mm-hmm. to try and get those on trails, known scrapes. I'll probably increase the amount of cameras I have in Missouri to try and get a better chance at getting a picture of a good buck. But in Iowa, I can, mm-hmm. I can still, uh, you know, maybe put some analogics out, which is far and away the best bet to get pictures yeah. is that supplement 365. It is stupid. Mm-hmm. You can literally put a couple bags out in early August. You're going to get every buck in the area.
1: So on your Mercer County piece, you can't do the mineral. You can't do analogics. What is your? I know you said you, you know you're putting more cameras out, but is there a certain area? Do you know that, that there's an area where there's scrapes or there's
2: pinch points or fence lines or what? You know where
1: you putting your cameras?
2: Exactly, all the above, and we're we're also mowing with a strategy of cameras right now. You know, you yeah. get a lot of growth, and they're they're kind of lazy, and they'll take the path of least resistance. Yeah. So we're mowing multiple trails to the same point. We're going to put a camera yeah. there. So we switched our strategy a little bit, uh, but scrapes will be the best bet but all in all i think it's going to be a very difficult summer compared to what i'm used to in terms of i i'll get you know in the summer i'll get 90 percent of the deer that are there i'll, I'll have their picture at least yeah. one picture of them on a on a either an analogics mm-hmm. mineral block or an ant supplement 365 or a uh, you know, a rock from biologic, I'll get them. But this summer I'll bet I'll be lucky if I get 40 or 50%. So that's going to make it exciting in October when the scrapes do pop up, I'm going to yeah. be getting bucks that I didn't get this summer, yeah. but it's going to make my early season strategy very tough. I think.
1: Yeah, And for you, because you know, you're waiting until October 1st for your Iowa stuff to kick in, obviously in the season to kick in, mm. you're heavily dependent on early season in Missouri. Absolutely.
2: The first, I, you know, <laughs> I almost wish the rule was reversed in terms of, yeah. you know, but I understand why the state did it and what they're trying to, accomplished but from my personal hunting strategy it's going to make it tougher i think to be on every single buck you know there there could be a giant living there that i don't get a summer picture of that's on a green field and i'm just not there because i don't know he's there so
1: in that instance you kind of almost go off of previous history of hey this this field is a a Given producer every year Absolutely. early season this clover plot, this is where I just need to be here. If we're, I get the wind, go.
2: We're gonna fall back to those those good producers, you know. Yeah. We're gonna go to Bliss Interior, we're gonna go to Turkey Foot, we're gonna go to North Bottom, we're gonna go to Decker, you know, the places that we've had good luck early season in the past. And, yeah, you know, I'll have cameras there and I will probably you know, check them a little bit more going into the season. In the past, you could literally be lazy, you know. You put out supplement three sixty five, let it go for a month, you'll have them all, you know, but yeah. it's not gonna be that that way things are yeah. changing, you yeah. have to adapt, yeah. You and, do. and may go to next year where we're all under that, you know, as well as get rid of the old mineral sites. You know, yeah. we're going through and digging them up and covering them and you know, yeah. tilling up new dirt, and doing everything we can to make sure we abide by the law.
1: Yeah, I never thought of that because it lives forever basically, unless oh, yeah. you go in and, and address it somehow. Got to address it, yeah. yeah. Dig out the old one and replace it with dirt. That's a good, that's a good uh comment to add here. I'm sure then. a lot of
0: people are thinking, oh yeah. boy, I need to go, <laughs> go yeah.
1: do some digging real quick, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, And really even,
1: I mean, you'd have to do some pretty he- heavy digging to because they, they continue to go to it and dig it up. Even if you, you know, like took a shovel and turn the yeah. dirt or whatever. I don't, I mean, what do you actually do to try to get the mineral site
2: to go? Well, away? we'll take it and then we'll, we'll take new dirt and put it and fill it up. And then we'll put like a pallet or, you know, a big tree or something brush over, it, just keep them oh. physically away mm. from it. Cause they'll, I mean, they'll keep hitting it. Well, they'll try to, yeah. unless you get rid of the mineral. Yeah. Yeah. Which is yeah. nearly impossible, right? <laughs> mm, if you dig enough, big enough swath, you can get rid of it. Yeah. yeah, but then what do you do with that dirt? Yeah, take it to a you know a ditch or somewhere where you don't hunt. You know, yeah. get rid of it. Yeah, you know, haul it off site.
1: Sure. Yeah, well, it's a lot. Just a lot of people it. are price
2: cramping. Yeah, but it, mineral sites are, are funny in that we've put them in their way. If you put them out of their way, they're not going to go seek them out for the yeah, most okay. part, you know? Okay. So you can find a deep ditch somewhere where you don't hunt anywhere close to it
0: and yeah. take care of it that well, way. The, the whitetail landscape is changing. The it is. rules, you know, CWD and the, and, and weather and everything. And, and our question of the week actually comes from a guy that is, uh, is faced with a new opportunity in Tennessee. And so our question of the day comes from Carson. Let's go ahead and listen to Carson's question.
1: Yeah, the question of the day is brought to you by Cabela's, the world's foremost outfitter.
0: Hey, this is Carson from Tennessee, and I have a couple of questions about hunting velvet bucks in late summer. My state, Tennessee, has announced a three-day buck-only archery season this year in late August. Do you have any insight on hunting velvet bucks this early in the year? Other than getting the meat cooled quickly, what traditional fall and winter hunting considerations still apply? My particular hunting land has pines, hardwoods, and some pasture land, but no crop fields. What can I take advantage of during this time of year to increase my odds of success? Any help is greatly appreciated. All right. Thanks Carson for the question. That that's that, that's a great one and Congratulations to the state of Tennessee for having a, an opportunity for folks to, to to get a velvet buck. Well, i yeah. love that opportunity. You know,
1: yeah, yeah, we looked it up. I mean, we know that time of year they're still kind of in bachelor groups, right? And then we looked it up. It's an antlered only season. You don't see that often. And you could have, the bag limit is two. So you can't kill them on the same day, but it, it's, it seemed like, you know, in a three-day se- three season, I think it was, mm-hmm. you can
2: kill two bucks. It's pretty crazy. So that when you looked it up, the season was 24, 25, 26. Yep. Uh, so this year that coincides with August full moon, which is the 26th. So I think that's a benefit. Uh, if it was the dark of the moon, I'd say Carson, you're going to have a little bit more trouble, but during that full moon, particularly those three days, like it, it hits pretty well, honestly, because I like afternoons, which is generally the best when they're in bachelor groups, afternoon sits and full moons those last two or three days leading into the full moon the moon will be rising if you look off to the east you'll see the moon rising if, if there's if it's clear and generally when it's rising of an afternoon the deer have a tendency to get on their feet a touch earlier it might be the 15 okay. minutes you need to expose the deer during daylight so
1: listening to his question he doesn't have any ag field but he has pasture ground he has uh, some hardwoods uh, so and did he say pines as well i think mm-hmm. pines, so nice. hardwoods. Uh, leading up to that because they'll still probably be batched up he could probably do a scouting from afar mm-hmm. in some of those pasture grounds and see hopefully where those bachelor mm-hmm. groups And if he has the ability to i don't know if tennessee if you can put out a, a mineral or anything yeah, like that know. but you could kind of see where they're going and where they're heading before you ever get to the season realistically and mm-hmm. that's probably his best way if he doesn't have any ag land on him that might be his best way to see him coming out of bedding maybe in his timber going to those ag grounds you know
2: no question and if you if you get to the basis of his question which is velvet bucks which they still will be generally the velvet sheds off sometime around the 5th of september plus Mm -hmm. or minus a few days but around the 4th 5th 6th right in there is the the heaviest velvet shedding well leading into that point they're fairly redundant in what they do every day and they're going to expose themselves during daylight i used to hunt out in montana and it opened up the first of september so the first three or four days of the season was always awesome because they were still in Mm -hmm. And then they'd all go underground because it's a big deal for them to get their velvet off. And it just shocks them. And Jerry Shively, who I hunted out out there with always said that when the, when the velvet comes off, the brain cells develop. And that's one way (laughs) of saying they change drastically. They're one animal when they're still in velvet. And then when they get hard horn, they're a completely different beast. I mean, it's kind of why we did 13 in the light switch events. Well, that's a light switch event that generally occurs prior to every one season coming in. So if you can still hunt them, in late august i don't want to say that they're they're dumb because they're not they're still white tails if they smell you they're going to react to it however that's as dumb as they're going to be they're a little <laughs> yeah. larger room
0: for air yeah that's yeah. as
2: easy as they're going to be to hunt right then um so what i would look for in that area, Carson, and wherever you're at, is whatever food source of the day is. Mm -hmm. If that pasture field has good rainfall this summer, and he's got new growth, perhaps it was just cut a week before, which would be ideal, Mm -hmm. and there's new growth from a fresh rainfall, all of a sudden they they may switch over to a triticale or something that's coming up Mm -hmm. that time of the year. So, pay attention to what forbs they're after that time of the year. It might be new clover, it might be new alfalfa. A lot of times the clover's coming out of its dormancy and -hmm. starting to green up in and around there. It's a little early but it depends on rainfall, depends on temperature. Some some of it will be climate. Often the mass crop isn't starting to drop yet. Mm-hmm, However, there could be a food source in the timber that those deer are on. Mm-hmm. So, you really need to depend on your cameras, your own scouting. Um, I would probably have a tendency to put some cameras on time-lapse and watch mm-hmm. certain areas of those sure. fields if they're coming to the pasture fields. Uh, look to the shady part of those pasture fields. You could be dealing with some warm temperatures. They're going to stick to that shade mm-hmm. when they first walk out. So, there's there's some some uh, some tips for you. Also, be aware of what's what all's in the bachelor group. If it's more than one coming out, <laughs> they seldom split up. They can, but they seldom do. So you're liable to see. Say it's a bachelor group of four. You're liable to see the first three come out. It might be 15 minutes for the big guy or the older buck comes out later. So know what's there and know what to expect because chances are they're still together. And
1: they always the big boy always
2: comes out last. Often it seems the like. oldest yeah. deer will come out yeah. to the field last. Well, you know, right at dark.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Mark. One of the things I've heard about, about, um, velvet bucks is that they tend to avoid thick scrubby areas because their antlers are sensitive during that time. But I don't know how, how true that is, or if you've seen that in your experience.
2: Mm, I haven't seen that per se. I haven't uh, paid particular attention to it, Mm -hmm. but I know one thing. You know especially in the midwest you know the thicker the cover and you know that's I, I where i see my buck so I, w- I don't know that i would adhere to that
0: okay okay good to know well and, and the other portion of carson's questions were really around what other strategies that maybe we would em- employ during the fall or the winter would you employ chasing velvet bucks even given it's such a different context
1: yeah that part of the question i don't know that it's necessarily as relevant because your strategies change so much i guess maybe more of a late season when they're back to a food source but they're not matched up it's just mm-hmm. a different beast it really is it's a different season altogether.
2: it is scent control can be very tough during yeah, the early yeah, yeah. season because it's so hot so yeah. that, that's where my mind went with that question it's like scent control is so important it's even more important in the early part of the season because you don't get a lot of wind speed it's much like our tactics for phase one yeah. which carson you could go to phase one on our on our new app or go to it on our website and look at our tactics mm-hmm. and it'll tell you some of the things we pay attention to and that's thermals because the winds often go to zero so therefore thermals take over and that's more often than not if you get busted by a bachelor group of bucks it's because your thermals are, are are hitting them before they get to the field yeah. and, and
0: what kind of memory do those do those bucks have at that point you said that they're not quite, quite as wise as <laughs> they better are than your wife <laughs>
2: that's pretty good then. so if you bust it's them it's really pretty you much game mistake, over they're going to remember it for the rest of your life <laughs> okay.
1: And a doe. I mean, can't discount that either. I mean, they're more likely to get out there first, you know, with the fawns. And and they're the ones you got to beat before the bachelor group comes out to the field anyways. Yeah,
2: Yeah. As easy as they can be, they still have that nose. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're going to have to have. That part of your game has to be the best because if it's a night... Where the wind goes to nothing, so I'd be watching DeerCast, watching that wind prediction to see how what the speeds are going to. Yeah. I would if, if you're lucky, you're going to get a night where they sustain and the thermals aren't quite as bad. Then, but if they go down under five, man, your thermals are going to radiate. You know. 360 degrees from yeah. your trees so therefore you better be set free you better be low in topography in the evening all those tips that we talk about or inside of an enclosed blind will help you yeah the other
1: thing. thing i don't know that you want to it likely will be hot <laughs> you don't mm-hmm. want to go out there at noon or whatever you know i i mean obviously scout before you go but chances are they're not going to move until even with the the moon kind of on that end of the phase right trying to go to the full moon yeah. they're going to move later i mean so maybe Maybe what an hour before they might start moving the does an hour before dark. Right, that time of year. So yeah, you they might, might go in at three o'clock or yeah, which four is still o'clock. a little bit early. Yeah, four yeah. o'clock or yeah. whatever.
0: Yeah. So let's let's do a thought experiment here and let's assume that Carson is is uh, successful and he kills a velvet buck. What do you have to do differently, if anything, to take care? Because, like, if I kill a velvet buck, I want that velvet intact on the final taxidermy. Don't I touch do it. <laughs> I'll tell it. you that. Don't touch the
2: velvet. Okay. Because it's coming off. It's He's right around the corner from losing it anyway. We always kill a lot of mule deer early season. You know, up there with Corey, they're mm-hmm. still in velvet. And the moment you start grabbing it and touching it, it starts to peel. So the right. best thing you can do is do not touch the velvet in any way, shape, or form. And then you just simply want to get the animal cooled down first and foremost most of the meat obviously yep. get it you know get him field dress get some ice in that body cavity and then get that cape and hide off of there as quick as you can
1: i this is like taking it to the nth degree but i i saw um, a guy that was hunting uh, early season like this and he actually had i think it was like formaldehyde or something and he was injecting oh, the rack wow and he had so many different places he had to inject it like it was some serious stuff like it's taking it you know
0: all the yeah, way to it's the like max. Dexter level. <laughs> Yeah, so I've never
1: seen that before other than with this guy doing it. So I didn't know that was even a thing, but it makes sense. You know, the preserve, he
2: was preserving, preserving it. it. Yeah. sure. Yeah. I would talk to a taxidermist about that, which yeah. in all reality, you guys ought to have a taxidermist on your podcast. I think people yeah. take like a John Dittmer or David McGann or both yeah. of them and just mm-hmm. talk to them about, you know, things people can do, how to cape, how to yeah. preserve velvet, yeah, that type of stuff. It'd yeah. be great guests. How to make it
1: not a nightmare for their, for their job. Exactly. Right. right yeah. I'm
2: sure they'd love to give Yeah. It out
1: you know yeah for sure so i mean the, the other thing obviously to worry about the main thing is the meat you know if, mm-hmm. it, and if you make a poor shot that's a tough one i mean you know we always say when in doubt back out but in the early season that's tough.
2: 70
0: 80 degrees at night time tough.
2: The, the, you walk a fine line particularly with a liver hit deer of recovering the animal versus recovering the meat because there is a point of no return with that with that meat when those temperatures are warm particularly with a liver hit deer because you have to give the amount of time for that deer to expire however at that same time that that liver blood is going throughout the entire body cavity and literally, you know, ruining ruining that meat. I mean, it's it's tough to consume yeah. a liver-hit deer that laid there for 12, 15 hours. It is very tough to salvage so them. Make a good shot, no pressure. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's, you know, and, you know, the difference between a, a good, you yeah. know, the difference between 100 yards and a mile is about an inch, you know, yeah. between, that, between those mm. lungs and that liver, you know. I mean, it's right there, you know. It's a huge difference between... Long shot, they're going to run right. 100 yards, be dead, and a liver shot where he might go a mile if he's pushed. Yeah. So right. you know, It's
1: literally about an inch. And the other thing you could do, say, you, once you recover your deer, you don't, you know, most guys don't have coolers or anything like that. You know, I'm talking to like a walk-in cooler. Sure, sure. You, you just go get a bag of ice, put in the, you know, in the cavity or whatever, and start. Getting taking care of the, the game right away.
0: Right, and w- one of the things, I've, I've started doing this when I go for my early season hunts, because even here in Missouri, it can be as warm as the 70s or 80s, 80s overnight. Um, I will let my buddies know, hey, I'm going out to hunt tonight, and uh, and if I kill something, would you be willing to be part of the search and rescue party? That way, I've got folks that are on standby so that if I need to spread out and, and cover some ground, I've got that set up. It seems like
1: most guys have that buddy that no matter mm-hmm. yep. whether they call them ahead of time or not, they could just call them after
2: it happens. And they're to gonna go help yeah. yeah, them. I can think of a handful for sure. For sure. The best bet's to fill that cavity with ice, pack him in ice. Yeah get a quilt or two over him you know because it's generally nighttime when you're recovering them and then get them to the locker mm-hmm. as soon as you can to get them into a cooler or yeah. to a buddy that might have a, a game locker you know a yeah, cooler right. yeah and they make i mean this
1: is taking it to the next level and, and you know if you're not quite ready for a walking cooler which is probably 95 percent of us and all, but <laughs> right. you wanted to do something a little more i know there's products out there like the i think it's called a coolabuck, coolabuck. where basically it's a like a scent crusher closet a little bit bigger mm-hmm. and it's a big air conditioning unit yeah. you just plug into your outlet and it, it it cools it and you're all set it fit three or four deer in the thing absolutely so. or you may just go ahead and butcher it that yeah. night you know yeah a lot of guys probably do that skin it out you know yeah.
2: debone it or take it off and get it into the ice box as quick as possible yeah we did that a couple years ago for i think was it Rhett's deer or riley's deer they they wanted to make sure they got that meat so we just boned him out and you know processed yeah. him right there on the spot yeah. that evening mm-hmm. yet.
1: Yeah. yeah yeah makes for a long night too yeah, yeah but it it really it's fun is. if you got
2: enough yeah. people around you know I mean, yeah it's, at the end of the day that's what we're all out there Far mm-hmm. so you, you, yeah. you know, first and foremost, you got to take care of that meat, yeah.
0: That's the the one of the most exciting things about a buck kill for me, or any deer kill for that matter, is all, is all the ensuing texts, yeah, that you get sure. to send afterwards and sharing the success because all your buddies are happy for you, and yeah, some are griping because you killed somebody, <laughs> yeah, and they I don't did. Know how happy <laughs> and that, that feeling doesn't come often enough. That's all I know. <laughs> right. yeah,
1: it
2: depends if they were hunting him as well, you know? yeah, yeah, right, right, hey, They're hey, on the adjacent hey, property you, and yeah. killed your deer. That's a different <laughs> story. I'll shoot somebody's screensaver and see how happy they are <laughs> for you. Right? (laughs) That's a true test
0: of friendship. Yeah, yeah. Great. Well, anything else Velvet Buck related, guys?
2: No. I mean, good luck to you, Carson. I hope you have luck. And anybody else out in Tennessee or Kentucky, Kentucky also has a great opportunity there because I believe they opened the first, you know, so those first three or four days every year we see these giants coming out of Kentucky. I believe in Kentucky it's legal to bait. And -hmm. we didn't talk about that because we're unsure if it's legal to bait in Tennessee or not. I don't think it is, but in Kentucky it is. So if that's the the case, then I'm piling the supplement 365 pretty high in a shady area where they're used to coming out of their bed where it's. A known wind direction where you can have a safe spot, and uh, you can flat wear some deer out Mm -hmm. early season. Like in a state like Kentucky, where you can bait, because they get pretty habitual coming to something they like. Yeah,
1: I know. Like back in the day, especially several of our team members used to go to Kentucky early early season. I know Joe Schultz used to always uh, go there, and he's had some really Mm -hmm. good luck in in early season there.
0: Yeah, exactly. i Think I need to buy a Tennessee non-resident archery tag.
1: I didn't look if it was open for non-res or not i don't know that's yeah, a good we'll question check it out. yeah, yeah it
2: traditionally is you know yeah it's all it all depends how hot it is you know i mean yeah,
1: yeah you may not want to be out there on august not, 26th or whatever i mean the it day could is. be 100 be degrees you know yeah
2: and, but the deer still move I, i'll say this one other thing I, I will say when they're still in their summer pattern and their summer coat i have actually seen cold fronts be a deterrent in the summer as opposed (laughs) to something that influences movement it almost puts them into a state of shock if it's a major cold front and they haven't felt cold air yet it'll actually bed them down wow Wow. yeah so i actually if the temperature's a little bit warmer that doesn't bother me because they're still in their summer pattern so don't let a, a heat you know forecast scare you away yeah okay
0: good
1: well, I think that covers it pretty well. I mean, honestly, we've we've went from scouting to food source to mm-hmm. everything in between. So, yeah. um
0: I'm good with wrapping it up here. Okay. Well, let's do it. If you want to be a part of the uh, the podcast, it's easy to submit your own questions. You can do it via the website, druryoutdoors.com, Out, Drury and then go to the podcast page. And on the page is a little tab on the right hand side of the screen that when you click that, it opens up a Speak Pipe application. And with that application, you can literally send us a voicemail with your question. Give us your name, give us your location, and what your question is about deer or turkey hunting or anything else. It's kind of outdoors related. And uh, we can't guarantee that we'll get to everyone, but we will do our best to get to your questions and answer them on the air like this.
1: There's a pretty good chance if you submit something in the next two weeks, we will get to it. No, you're not supposed to say
0: that. You're supposed to act like we're just backlogged with all these great questions. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're fortunate to get through. (laughs) Yeah. Well, if... um If
1: you don't do that, I'm I'm sure the other way you could probably submit some questions would be just on our social media. Just say, hey, I have a question for Matt and Tim and and the guys for the podcast and Mm -hmm. let us know. We're always obviously monitoring and and looking at that stuff. So that'd be another good way to ask us something and and maybe a little easier for you. So uh, by all means, reach out to us. And outside of that, I think just, you know, kind of the the wrap-up business type of stuff. You could always follow us on uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter at Drury Outdoors. Of course, if you're watching this podcast over at the Jury Outdoors YouTube channel, make sure and subscribe. We're doing a PSE bow giveaway. Uh, we're reaching for 100,000 subscribers, but I have a feeling here at 75,000, we're going to give a bow away. We're getting real close. So make sure and subscribe, tell your friends. And we have tons of great content over on DoD TV, especially with the TV shows getting ready to air here at the beginning of July. We have uh, 13s cutting in floor. There's so much content that never makes the cut. Well, we the last three years i think we've got a spot for that now over on our youtube channel and of course our new show that's going to start airing july 3rd on outdoor channel critical mass uh we're going to have what we call critical mass extreme same deal it's kind of a cutting room floor hunts that weren't didn't make the cut it doesn't mean they weren't good It just the format of that new show which please check out 930 Central Tuesday nights. It's It just made it such that we had 13 extra hunts that didn't make the light of day. Imagine that. Yeah, so uh, they're going to be seen only there on, the, uh, on Dre Outdoors' uh, YouTube channel and then, over, over, of course, over on our DeerCast app, which launches August 28th. So we got a lot of stuff cooking, a lot mm-hmm. of new stuff happening, and then on top of all that, deer season's coming. The best part. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> So so ready. I spent a lot of info out there, but we got a lot of hap- a lot of things happening right yeah, now. Yeah,
0: yeah, so we welcome you back next week when we launch another episode, so feel free to join us again. Thank you for uh, for hanging out with us talking about Velvet Bucks. Thanks, Mark. Mark. Drury, Matt Pleasure. Drury, Tim Chelswick, we're going to shut it down. See you guys. Peace.